1: Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning into the Claudio Relsano Show, brought to you by Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center. As always, want to thank Rick Mitchell for the introductions and my fantastic producer, Adam Zalouf. Today's guest, you've heard his name on the show every time, every show, and you've also heard me tell stories about uh, our guest today. He is a fantastic attorney. He's the best attorney out there, in my opinion. Uh, fantastic radio host, the best radio host. He's a He's a promoter. He's done some rock concerts. He's a beer connoisseur. He's an unbelievable husband and an unbelievable father, and he's a fantastic friend of mine, and I consider him family. And that's Eric Jackson Laurie. Eric, I hope I don't have to do that introduction again because I don't know if I can do it again. But thank you so much. I don't much know
2: if I can afford it, Claudio. I don't know. I'm going to have to send another check.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and we'll take it.
2: My yeah, brother, what a great honor to be on the Claudio Rosano Show. And, you know, being a sponsor of this show is, is great for me because you have so many listeners. And I talk to people regularly who listen to your show. Right. And, 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 you know, I listen to everything. And I just, just saw on the list that uh, I missed a show with you and King Kool himself, Donnie Iris, but you know, going down the list of all the guests you have, I gotta say it's like Wayne's World. <laughs> I'm not worthy. Mario Andretti, Dick Vermeil, Vinnie Paz, Paz, Donnie <laughs> Lalonde. You know, you've got Thor. You know, heavy metal yeah. legend Thor.
1: Bodybuilder. You know, yeah.
2: you got what? It, it's pretty amazing the guys that you get on your show, and everyone goes on your show because you're that good. So well, tremendous honor for me to to be a small
1: part of it. I appreciate it you know you mentioned Donnie Iris we have to start off with a story I want to say I don't know how many years ago it was maybe no I do know when it was because I just bought that car Eric my uh, my my Chrysler 300 it was in November of 2014 we went to a Ray Boom Boom Mancini Donnie Iris event and Eric had on these Greg Brady pants you know the, those real groovy <laughs> pants he had a ruffled shirt on and he had this i don't know if it was a pink jacket i don't know what the hell it was so ray and donnie come over and ray mancini says to, to after i introduced him to, to both of them ray mancini said to eric he said you have to be the toughest
2: um, I think it's the I, toughest mother F ever <laughs> in the room.
1: In the room <laughs> to wear, wear clothes like that. And it was just <laughs> the funniest thing. And then that same outfit years <laughs> prior, we went to the Golden Gloves at the Sta- Station Square in Pittsburgh. And it was at a restaurant. Uh, what was that restaurant? They had, they had that, that that uh, uh, like a Mickey Gilly thing. What the hell was that? The Bull. the bull. Oh, the the odd, royal,
2: odd. The what a great venue, Jim, the yeah. great Jimmy savedic and Gloria Stokowski. Yeah. Um, God bless you, Gloria. They would put on those great Golden Glove finals at the Royal Place 2 over on Route 88. And uh, it was dinner, boxing at its best.
1: Right. But at, uh, there was it was a tough crowd. You know, it was just for some reason, it was just a tough crowd that night. And here we come with Eric wearing those groovy pants, and the, I said, man, somebody's going to say... Hey, those stuff. pants weren't cheap. <laughs> no, but the guy who was well, wearing them was cheap in some ways.
2: Right? Hey, well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you, the. Uh, you know me, I'm a shy guy. I like oh, yeah. the fade in the background. I'm not one to draw <laughs> attention to myself.
1: Right, right. Oh, yeah, and, and and that night, nobody looked at you, but it was, it was fun, and, and Eric's the best. But you know what, before we get into the sports uh, part of your life, the boxing, the tennis... Uh, Tell us, first of all, about your law practice.
2: Well, you know, I'm a criminal defense attorney. I've had my own practice for, uh, oh, I think we're going on 22 years now. And uh, I never dreamed I'd be a criminal defense attorney. You know, uh, I'm pretty open about who I am as a person. I always came from a a right-wing conservative um, ideology. And I, I really started in the attorney general's office, And I always thought those criminal defense attorneys, like, uh, I can't believe those guys. Why would they ever do that? Until I became one and realized how not only important it was that everybody get a defense and that how important and special our uh, system of American jurisprudence is here in America. Uh, We've got a legal system second to none. Um, But what an an essential and pivotal role um, criminal defense work is is, and, you know, having done this for as long as I've done it, I have had many people who were truly in the wrong place the wrong time and were completely innocent, never should have ever even been arrested, who are looking at losing their livelihood, their liberty, their family. Um, so really becoming a criminal defense attorney uh, made me realize just a very different perspective than my naive perspective that I had when I was on the prosecution side. But uh, really blessed, wonderful. God's blessed me with a tremendous practice, and I always tell people all of my time every day is spent either in a courtroom or driving to a courtroom because right. I think I spend you know half my time behind a steering wheel driving to the next case in the next county. Um, but it's a lot of fun, a lot of challenges, um, never ever boring.
1: No, that's for sure. But you know, you also have a great radio show, which we're going to get into the details of that in a minute, but thank you. let me me ask you this, such a, that you have a very, very stressful job and you and I have talked about different things. And does that make you having your own radio show? Does that make you even better because you kind of let your hair down? You can kind of let the other side of you down. It's more of a, it's, it's not a high, I mean, it's pressure because you want to do well for your audience. And, and but does that kind of all that pressure of being an attorney a criminal defense attorney when you go do your show don't you feel like you can kind of exhale a little bit more
2: you know it's, it's kind of funny because the answer is no okay I, because the show has gotten bigger and bigger and now I'm in syndication right um, I'm always looking to make the show better and have like you have bigger stars have, uh, bigger specials, world premieres, things of that nature. So you're trying to do such a good job, uh, and quite frankly, it's taking more and more of my time um, every week, which I think is leading <laughs> to, to a little more stress, because my time is okay. limited as it is with running the practice. But I will tell you this, I, uh, I'm old enough, I'm mature enough, maybe that's a better way to say it, that uh, I will not let myself lose the joy of it. it it really is as much work as it is it's twice as much fun you know to to get to do this type of stuff is uh, very special and, and just just a real blessing
1: well you know uh vinnie kaplak the two people he talks about all the time are adam's aloof and you he always talks about you guys. Adam, That kid's a genius. If you need something, have Adam to do it. And he always talks about your show. But, you know, I, I remember in 1986, Larry Bird, I was watching Larry Bird and the Boston Celtics against the Houston Rockets. And he had a big-time game. And he just made it look so easy, just so much fun and so easy. And that's what your show, that's what you do with your show. You make it sound so easy. And I know it's not. And well, I'm a
2: good faker. <laughs> no, Thank no, it,
1: you. Well, yeah. you know, th- that's when you can tell somebody's great. And again, before I, I let you go on or ask you to go on about your about the details uh, of the show, uh, the call letters, the station, et cetera, uh, I, I listen to your show, obviously, often, and it's not just, you just don't say, okay, here's the next song, bang. Here's the next song, bang. Here's the next song, bang. No, and and there's some, we've been to some concerts that, and I won't mention their names, but there's some legendary uh, musicians, legendary. But they go up, they sing, and they they leave. Where I've been to Barry Manlow concerts, and he seems like he's talking to everyone individually. Celine Dion will talk to everyone individually. It seems like right. You, your show is not just playing music and leave. You come up with very rare information that people just don't know and i'm saying i didn't know that and a lot of people tell me that uh, about your show so and i know it's a labor of love tell us again uh where we can hear it and then also tell us the format of the show how you uh not only just play the records but you also do give us uh great information
2: well you know that's that's really nice of you to say because really it's a labor of love and it comes from a passion and there's an underlying story with that claudia you know, I grew up. I grew up at the tail end as a kid of rock and roll music dominating the charts. You know, we, we all grew up with Casey Kasem in the top forty, sure. and you had your favorite band or your favorite song that had a new single, and you were hoping it moved up the charts. And it was a lot right. of fun, and and quite frankly, I miss that. And you know, I also grew up in an era, like so many of your listeners, that you know, you listened to maybe AM radio in the car with your parents, and then it went to FM. Where you just mentioned, you might hear on a radio station the Rolling Stones, the Bee Gees, Barry Manilow, Kenny Rogers, and, uh, you know, Boston. And it was an eclectic mix on all these stations of songs that were all over the charts. Today, you know, every station is a format. You know, you uh, you got your classic rock, you got your easy listening, you've got your adult contemporary, you've got your rap, you've got your hip-hop, and there's not a mixture of the genres. And I really miss that, because growing up hearing all those different genres, what did it do? It expanded all of our horizons, because at the end of the day, good music is good music no matter what the genre. I mean, I grew up, you know, singing Kenny Rogers and singing you know, uh, Aerosmith, you know, know, my kids, other than in the household that they live in with me, if they just were based off of what they're hearing on the radio and the Internet, they're limited to just the genre. So we grew up in a special time that exposed us to a lot. And, you know, I'm real lucky because my home station, WRCT here in Pittsburgh, they really gave me free reigns to do what I wanted uh, as far as music went. And growing up as a kid in a very rural area of upstate New York, um, you know, these rock stars and these rock bands, they were my idols. You know, I had my sports idols, but, uh, you know, my wall was covered with pictures of uh, sticks, the Rolling Stones, Alice Cooper, Cheap Trick. And uh, growing up in a rural area and entertainment being the radio, you know, I just loved and idolized those bands. Well, anyone who listens to regular commercial radio today, especially if you're listening to classic rock, all those bands that I just mentioned, you hear on the radio daily, but you're hearing the same 350 songs on each station on repeat. And a lot of those great artists, you know, take Cheap Trick. You know, I Want You to Want Me was 1978. Um, You hear that, almost daily on, on your big stations, but you're not hearing the new Cheap Trick album. You're not hearing right. the new you know, uh, Charlie Daniels album, the new, cheap, the new Alice Cooper. So I never stopped buying music from those bands because they kept still making it. They're still making it today. So along comes this great radio show, and I decided I'm going to really focus on new music from classic artists we all grew up with who can't get their new music on the radio. So, a um, great example I mentioned Cheap Trick. They got a brand new album. They're coming uh, they're coming to Pittsburgh in November. All of these great bands, all the great southern rock bands we grew up with, Molly Hatchet, The Outlaws, you know, all the great, you know, rock and roll bands that, you know, are in their 60s and some of them even in their 70s now, they're all still touring they're all still making a lot of money on the road, but you're hearing the same four or five songs of theirs on regular radio, and meanwhile, these bands are doing new albums all the time. So the the great thing is when my show started, Claudio, the phones would start lighting up with people saying, I didn't know Alice Cooper was still around. I didn't know that you know uh, Cheap Trick had a new album. I didn't know they were still together. And as the audience grew... Uh, and, you know, with the, uh, the wonders of the Internet, when words started getting out, I started having listeners from around the country just off of the web. Um, you, know, the, you know, more and more things happened, and the record labels started calling, and um, here I am today in, in syndication with big things coming up. So it's a lot of fun, but it's a lot of fun to expose great music from these great bands that we all love with people not realizing they're still doing new music, so just just a blast. And uh, then the the fun flip side of that is because there's so few stations in the country doing what I'm having fun doing, that uh, I kind of get to be a big fish in a little pond and get a lot of these these great rock stars on my show, um, which just is tremendously fun. Because at the end of the day, they're all they're all. Guys and girls like you and I putting their pants on one leg at a time, and um, just a lot of fun.
1: Except you do the Greg Brady pants, but uh, <laughs> but you you mentioned somebody has got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, though, you've had some some legendary people and people that you looked up to and admired, and they've become friends: Charlie Daniels, Thor, and uh, Alice Cooper. Uh, tell us about you know talking to those guys and having them. Uh, be friends and being backstage with them and taking pictures with them and things like that. How does that, you know, tell us how that feels? Well,
2: you know what, it, it, it is fun, and I don't want it ever to not be fun. But at right. the same time, you, the more you're around those types of people, you realize that they are special. There's no question. They are all special people, but they're still people. Right. And they're you know they have headaches, they get grumpy, they get grouchy, they you know are upset about things um but there's special people who have been part of the soundtrack to our lives uh but it's also a lot of fun when those friendships spread into your family. I have two teenagers you're you know you know that very well um you know Alice Cooper recording a birthday video for my oldest son <laughs> for... uh you know, uh, you know, Billy Crane from The Outlaws recording guitar licks for my son to learn on the guitar, and you know those things are are a lot of fun. That uh, are little benefits of of being on the air and, and doing what I do. But I'll tell you, talking Charlie Daniels, you know, uh, Charlie almost kept me from being on the air. Uh, that
1: I was going to ask you about that, but go ahead. Well, was so, this about the failed test?
2: Yeah, so when I first went on the air, you know, in order to go on the air, you have to pass tests and you have to be licensed. And uh, uh, my station here at WRCT in Pittsburgh, um, they really do a great job of vetting people and making sure they're up to par before they get on the air. And one of the final things you have to do after going through testing is you have to do a a fake on-air show that doesn't go out over the air, but is recorded in the studio alone. And the board listens to it and makes sure that uh, you're doing everything per the FCC guidelines. So I'm ready to go on the air. I'm pretty excited. And uh, I worked real hard. And I find out that I have failed the test. And they tell me it's going to be another six months before I can take the test again. Wow, and I was was shocked. Like, what do you mean I failed? You know, I you know I practiced, I prepared, I thought I had done a great job, and the individual who was in in charge of overseeing everything told me, he said, "Well, you played a song with a swear word in it, and you know that that caused problems with the FCC, and that's not permissible." And, Claudio, I got to tell you, I'm racking my brain, and I'm thinking. Uh, this isn't possible. I mean, I definitely didn't play anything with a swear word in it. <laughs> and so I I and I was I was itching to get on the air, so I really pushed the issue and I said, Well, you have to tell me where is the song that I play with a swear word? Well, this individual will call him Bobby. Bobby tells me, Well, at, at three minutes and fifty six seconds into the second set, you played a song, um, with a swear word in it and in the song Mudcat. And I said, well, that's a song by Charlie Daniels. And he said, well, I, I don't know who it's by, but, you know, the, you know, he had swear words in it. Right. And I said, listen, I mean, there are a lot of bands that have swear words in their songs, and I'm always careful, but Charlie Daniels is the last guy in the world that ever is going to swear in a song. As a matter of fact, songs that were hits of his... Um, with things like you know, Long Haired Country Boy where I'll Take Another Toke That get played on the radio Even that That was too risky By his standards today Playing it live He changes Take Another Toke To Tell Another Joke And he, the, he insisted So I found the part He was talking about right. And Charlie and the Song and It was a brand new single It was a brand new single That probably nobody Was even playing yet. It was that new said he had a line he said i played every funky down south juke joint it actually ended up being from charlie's very last album um as you know charlie passed away this past year right and i went back to the station manager and i said listen he said funky juke joint he did not say the swear word you know so the guy went back listened to it and i think grudgingly let me on the air (laughs) but the, the 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 best part of it was, you know, I would, I would always get to see Charlie when he came to Pittsburgh, and I was with my family the last time Charlie was in Pittsburgh and we were backstage, and I was telling him the story, and Charlie got a great laugh out of it, and he said, you know what, Eric? He was listening with Yankee ears, and I was speaking <laughs> Southern. There you go. I guess there's a kick out of that. He thought it was, he thought it was great. He always kept me off the air. But, uh, yeah, being with these special musicians is a lot of fun. But you know what that's about, Claudio, because you're around the top athletes in the world all the time.
1: Yeah, it, it is special. And I've told Adam sometimes after a show, especially with Mario Andretti, I said, geez, I, I still can't believe I interviewed him or, or Jerry Cooney. i I uh, obviously doing the show from my home. Uh, the room that I'm doing it in now is a home office. But years ago, it was my bedroom. And, and this was the exact same room that I watched Jerry Cooney knock out Ken Norton and here I am doing an interview with him. And, uh, it's it's kind of, it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a nice thing. You know, it's a special thing. It's a magical thing. And, and you, I know you and I definitely appreciate those people and appreciate those moments because we watch these guys or listen to them. We were kids. Now here all of a sudden we're friends with them. We're having them on our show. Who would have thought that back then? You know, um but uh, hey, i know
2: it's 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 well you know i i could tell lots of stories of hanging out with you with famous athletes in hotel rooms and <laughs> over dinner and uh late nights in the car where uh oh, yeah. yep. <laughs> I would, I would, you know some some stories probably not to tell on the air but uh being around famous athletes that were friends of yours um it's 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 strange to watch these people on TV or hear them on the radio and then get to know them and right. find out that they're special right. people but regular at the same time.
1: Sure. Well, we're going to take our final commercial break before we get into our Eric Jackson Lurie lightning rounds. We're here from our sponsors Roscoe Hearing Analogy Care Center, Don's Pizzeria and Sports Bar, criminal defense attorney Eric Jackson Lurie with offices located in downtown Pittsburgh and Fox Chapel. <clears throat> Call Eric at 412. 412- nine six three nine three oh eight and the quaker valley rotary club right back with eric jackson lorry Would you like to join a community service-oriented group to help provide remarkable services such as the Halloween Parade, Santa Parade, a Memorial Golf Outing, the annual Harvest Festival, award secondary educational scholarships, and raise several fundraising events? If so, the Quaker Valley Rotary Club is looking for people of action who live a service above self type of lifestyle and want to help make the Quaker Valley District even better. Please visit us at www.quakervalleyrotary.org or call Scott Zayner at 412-720-0298. Okay, Eric. Um, now, another thing before we get into well, – first of all, again, tell us where – and we'll get it at the end of the show as well – The Rockin' Attorney, tell us where people can hear it, the call letters, all that.
2: So, I'm on the air every Thursday night from 8 to 10.30 Eastern Standard Time on 88.3 FM, which also streams worldwide at wrct.org. And you can also catch me coming out of the West Coast on 103.3 FM, Kibler, California, uh, which also streams at 1033-WWRO.com. com.
1: right. Now, not only do you do a radio show, but you're also a very, very successful tennis player. Tell us about that part of your life.
2: Well, that's a was. That's a, that's a past <laughs> tense. <laughs> Seems like there's a lot of things that I used to do, right?
1: Uh, that's
0: all um,
2: right. Well, you tell. know what? You know, I uh, I fell in love. I, I never cared for tennis, never had lessons, and I thought that uh, I didn't think highly of the game. And I was, gosh, I'm going to say this was the, the uh, 1989 uh, U.S. Open. A, a young, flashy Andre Agassi yeah. was playing an aging 39-year-old Jimmy Connors. And, of course, I knew who both guys were, even though I didn't follow tennis. And I... Uh, Was laying on my couch, teenager, unenthused about life. Um, My interests were girls and rock and roll, and that was about it. And was bored, nothing was on TV, and I kept going back to this match with Agassi and Connors, caught in the beginning, quarterfinals of the U.S. Open, which of course is an absolutely tremendous thing, um, to get to the quarterfinals of, of one of the Grand Slams. And as I was watching it, Claudio... Jimmy Connors got sick, physically sick, on the court. And I remember it was on the USA Network where they had right. microphones all over the place. And Connors walks over to Arthur Ashe in the crowd, and I knew who Arthur Ashe was. And you could hear in the microphones Connors say, I'm not going to make it through this match. So my interest was peaked, even though I was not a fan of tennis. And Uh, Connors is serving on the wrong side. The referee's having to correct it. Agassi destroys him, if I remember, 6-0, the first set, maybe 6-1. I mean, Connors has beyond nothing. And and the crowd is quiet, because Connors, of course, is an all-time legend. Agassi was turning the game upside down with his great talent and his pizzazz and flash and bringing color to a, a game that was all white. Um, white and clothing and shoes, I mean, and uh, bringing rock and roll to it, and it was a fascinating spectacle to see this this great athlete just not quitting, not giving up, but just sick on the court and couldn't do anything. Well, make a long story short, slowly Connors works his way back into the the the, the, the match, wins a game here, and the next thing I know, four and a half hours later loses I think 7-5 in the fifth set right. and I had this lump in my throat, I had a tear in my eye and I was so impressed and enamored with this fighter on the tennis court. My whole life the only place I'd ever seen a fighter like that was in the boxing ring and Connors hit all of his shots flat with very little spin where everyone in tennis uses lots of top spin and I and I watched this guy go from like, why doesn't he just quit to almost winning against a guy half his age, that I called a dear friend of mine, and we, we were going to a party that weekend, and I remember saying, "Hey, do you have a tennis racket?"
1: <laughs> and
2: he said, "Yeah, I do. Why?" And I said, "Dude, we're not going to the, the party. We're going to the courts and then my street. We got to play tennis. That's simple. And uh, in a few years, I was uh, playing Division one tennis for Pitt. And my friend ended up playing, uh, I think, Division Two for Edinburgh wow. and uh, ultimately became a, uh, a certified pro and um, l- just loved the game. Ultimately, stepped away from the game with a rotator t- uh, cuff tear. Um, but, you know, the crazy thing, Claudio, is all the time I spent on the tennis court um, and all the, uh, the joy that I had, in my mind... It was the closest thing I could do to get towards boxing um, because I related so much with forward movement. When you throw a punch, you're moving into your opponent. Sure. When you're returning a serve or if you're hitting a forehand or backhand, you're moving into the ball. And I was, in my mind, boxing on a tennis court because that was as close as I could get to boxing.
1: Well, it's still quite an accomplishment to play Division One tennis for sure. And um, that's just another feather in your cap or another flower in the garden of Eric Jackson-Laurie, as I like to say. <laughs> but you, me- you mentioned boxing, and uh, you've done a lot. Of- you're in the Pittsburgh Boxing Hall of Fame. That's right. I forgot. Yeah, well,
2: boy, boy, how the heck did that happen, right? But, uh, it's it's <laughs>
1: deserving. But uh, one but, of your well, idols who – I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no. Go for it. One of your idols, somebody that you respect uh, a ton, and you named your son, your oldest son after him, Duran, uh, Roberto Duran. Tell us about that relationship. Yeah.
2: Well, well, you know, it really started, and I, I have a, uh, a distinct memory, and I had to have been probably, I'm going to say maybe four, maybe five years old, wrestling with my dad in the living room. And, you know, this is back in the day when, you know, we had three channels and public TV. Right. And uh, ABC Wild World of Sports came on, and it was a special on Roberto Duran, and the eyes of Roberto Duran. Yeah, yeah. And I was roughhousing with my dad, having fun, and my dad wanted to watch the program, so he kind of yelled at me and put me on the couch so he could watch it. And I watched it with him. It kept doing close-ups of Duran's eyes, and they had all these people talking about if you fight Roberto Duran, don't look in his eyes because it'll just drain you. And I was, <laughs> I was so fascinated as a little boy in Roberto Duran and what a menace he was that, you know, back in those days, Claudio, we would see boxing every weekend and Tuesday nights and boxing right. was all over television. I mean, it was really part of, of America, you know, it was, it was such a popular sport. So I would watch anytime Duran was on TV and I just grew to, I just fell in love with him and I loved his style of fighting. I loved his machismo and who he was. And, uh, I, just looked up to him tremendously uh, and years and years later uh, we ultimately became great friends
1: yeah and boxing is well, it's a good thing by the way that you didn't like livingstone bramble because you would have had to name your son livingstone uh, <laughs> that that's how we met we met through boxing uh, i went and to And you know
2: you know who says that they brought us to, he brought us together
1: Vinny Vinny Paz yeah,
2: Vinny pa- yeah. Paz Vinny yeah. Paz
1: Yep. Well, and, and, and talking
2: and, and you know talking Livingston Bramble, you know that uh, if if I remember the story right, Vinny told us the story of sparring with uh, Razai Bramble and, and Livingston, thumbing Vinny in the eye in the, in yeah. the sparring. Remember that well, we, story? We
1: met. We I do, but we also met uh, Livingston Razai Bramble in Las Vegas for Vinny's movie premiere. If you remember.
2: Yep. And uh, yeah. and I met him. Boy, I got a great story. On the undercard of uh, Hector Macho Camacho and Sugar Ray Leonard. Okay. And I was there in Atlantic City. Everyone thought Leonard was going to do it once again because Leonard yeah. was a legend. Sure was. And, and uh, he just he was a shell, and, and Camacho knocked him out. Yeah. But Bramble fought on that undercard, and afterwards I spent a little time with him. And it was a beyond lackluster fight. And uh, Bramble had told me, he said, I can't throw my right hand. And when I asked him about it, he said, there's nothing wrong with it. In practice, in sparring, I can throw it. But when I'm sparring hard or I'm in the ring, it's like a mental disconnect and I cannot throw my right hand. And he just had some psychological problem at the tail end of his career where he couldn't pull that trigger on his right hand.
1: You know, that happened to Mackie Sasser. He was a catcher uh, for the Pirates and the Mets. He couldn't throw the ball back to the pitcher. He would double pump, pump. Uh, it was just the, the damnedest thing you ever want to see. It was sad. And um, yeah, you don't you don't know what gets into the head. It's a, it's a touchy thing. But in boxing, you know, you, you certainly can't get away with it. But people have asked uh, numerous times how we met. Well, Vinny was getting inducted into the Rochester Boxing Hall of Fame. And uh, I, I'm there and we're in the lobby of, I, f- I forgot which hotel that was. But um, I met three very important people in my life. Uh, or, I'm sorry, two, two very important people in my life that week. Joe LaQuatre, uh who unfortunately passed several years ago, was a great guy. Great with me. Great guy. Yeah, and then you and I start talking about this and about that, and you said, where are you from? I said, I'm from Pittsburgh, and you said, where? I said, that's a little town in Swickley, where are you from? And then you. And then <laughs> you know, here we are, what is that, uh, 19 years later, right? Or 18, 18, 18 years yeah. later, and and I'm honored not only to call you a family member, but your son, Noble, is my godson. And um, yeah. I'll never forget, we went to a restaurant when you, you said, I need to speak to you. I said, Sure. And uh, I said, everything okay. You said yeah, yeah, everything's fine. So we met. I believe it was in Fox Chapel, um, not too far from your office. And um, so I'm saying, what the hell is wrong? I hope everything's okay. Then you you <laughs> told me that you want to be me to be god uh, godfather to noble and I just I, I just broke down. But let l- let me say this, and we'll get to your family in a little bit. A wonderful, wonderful family. But as I said, we'll get to them in you. a little bit. But I, I got to tell this story. Uh, yeah, I, Eric's kids are just gentlemen wonderful wonderful kids i love well, those you kids. know
2: i i beat them from a young age to work <laughs> all the, the bad stuff out so they're better when they got no, over these it. kids it pretty are pretty
1: well great they're great <laughs> kids but a few months ago eric has a surprise birthday party for his lovely wife camille so eric had a uh, like a, it was it was at a movie theater here in pittsburgh so um just outside of pittsburgh so eric sent a patch thor the who was on our show a while back uh the the bodybuilder slash legendary rock star and that was kind of a ticket to get into the to the building so i see uh my, my wife and i linda we go inside there's noble Noble, how you doing, brother? He gives me a hug and a kiss. Linda, he gives her a hug. And Duran, Duran, what's going on, brother? Hey, Claudio, what's going on? How are you? Good. What's going on? How soccer? This how school? Everything's great. And you know, we're just uh, everything. Because I mean, I just a great kid, and we're talking. Everything's great. And then Linda presents him with the, this patch. So I said, okay, brother, I'll see you inside. He steps in front of me and he says, Claudio, I need a patch. So Duran, I don't have a patch. I left it at home. Yeah, but you need a patch to get in. I said, are you kidding me? I said, just two (laughs) seconds ago, hey, Claudio, what's going on? Wait, Linda has a patch. You know, you need a patch to get in. I say, Durant, I don't have a patch, I'm getting it. It was the (laughs) funniest thing, because his face went straight. He wouldn't let me into this building without a patch. But I did somehow get in. I think I duped him 10 bucks and he let me in. But uh, he was a great kid. Lot of well, he was following
2: t- instructions. I know, I, said, I know, but if he Claudio like- doesn't have that patch. Oh my he doesn't get admission.
1: Then I got to tell you something else. We were, uh, I some some friends gave Linda and I tickets to an Alice Cooper concert at the A and E uh, venue in Pittsburgh, right in between Heinz Field and uh, PNC Park. It was a hot summer day, much like today, I think. So I knew that Eric and his family loved Alice Cooper. So I said, Eric, I have these tickets. Would you guys like to go? He said, of course. Now, these tickets, they said they were box. So whenever I think of box seats, I think of luxury seats, whatever. So I remember getting dressed in a nice, uh, it was a Greg Norman pullover shirt, khakis, dress clothes. (laughs) Linda and Ida were dressed nice. We get there and people have blood dripping from their face and Hanging from their head, uh, <laughs> Eric's little kids—they were little at the time—they came with this stuff on their eyes. Eric and and again, Camille dressed with this shirt. And I'm saying, I told Eric, number one, I feel so damn out of place here. Number two, I'm going home to get undressed. And Eric said, Nah, stay the way you are. And people were looking at me like I just came from the moon. You know? They and, thought
2: it, you it, owned the venue.
1: Yeah, I think they did. I think they did. <laughs> I feel like an idiot. But uh, anyway, before we go more into to boxing and some other stories, we're going to take another quick commercial break from Roscoe Hearing and uh, listen, or to hear from our sponsors, Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center, Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar, criminal defense attorney Eric Jackson-Laurie with offices located in downtown Pittsburgh and Fox Chapel. Call Eric at 412-963-9308 and the Quaker Valley Rotary Club who does great things. Make sure you check them out. And don't forget my book, Lead from the Heart Up, Not the Neck Up, How to Create a Positive Winning Culture on the Field and in the Office. Get it at my website, claudiorelsano.com. We're right back with Eric jackson Lori. Would you like to join a community service oriented group to help provide remarkable services such as the Halloween Parade, Santa Parade, a memorial golf outing, the annual Harvest Festival, award secondary educational scholarships, and raise several fundraising events? If so, the Quaker Valley Rotary Club is looking for people of action who live a service above self type of lifestyle and want to help make the Quaker Valley District even better. Please visit us at www.quakervalleyrotary.org or call Scott Zayner at 412-720-0298. Okay, we have a a ton of boxing stories, but... um, I remember the one time we were in Rochester, and we were in the room of, some people say, the biggest hitter of all time, and that's Ernie Shavers. Uh, tell us a little bit about some stories that you recall, recollect from the Rochester Boxing Hall of Fame, be it with Ernie Shavers or Vinny or, or whoever else that uh, you had some stories about.
2: Well, you know, we, we really do have a lot of stories with a lot of different guys. And, uh, it, you know, it's hard to just pick one. That night with Ernie Shavers was great. And, you know, it's, it's funny when, when, what was Muhammad Ali's quote that uh, his, his kinfolk yeah. in Africa yeah. felt how hard that Ernie hit? Um, you know, I, you know I, when I was boxing and, and had the privilege of, of working and, and sparring with Paul Spadafora, and I was one of many. Um, you know, Spaddy was always known as a lighter puncher, but the level, when you get to the pro level, the, the real pros, and Spaddy was a legitimate world champion and a tremendous boxer uh, with, with a tremendous left-handed, awkward style that was so hard for so many guys to, uh, to deal with, but known as a light puncher. And I would see how hard he was hitting the bag in the gym, which was double my power. Then when you think about the guys who are legendary for their power, I mean it's truly a gruesome thing. And unless you've boxed or unless you've been part of training world-class fighters, mm-hmm. you don't realize how hard these guys hit. And oh, yeah. watching these guys on TV or even seeing them in person, just you know, in a fight, just doesn't do it justice. These guys hit so incredibly hard. So, when you've got one of the greatest fighters of all time, and some people would say he was the greatest, Muhammad Ali, who fought everyone, fought the quarries, you know, fought, uh, you know, Joe Frazier, fought George Foreman.
1: Ken Norton.
2: Ken Norton. I mean, we could go down a long list. You know, Sonny Liston, and said, That guy hit me so hard, my ancestors (laughs) in Africa felt it. He wasn't joking because. He was hurt. I mean, he literally hurt him that badly that that's all he could think about, but still was able to walk through it like yeah. nothing and and win the fight. Um, just amazing. I You know, I, uh, I remember the great trainer Jesse Reed, and Jesse Reed used to say that he could help guys build up their power to a degree. Some of it, you know, Manuel Stewart, if I recall properly, said that you were either born with it or you weren't. Right. But, uh, yeah. you know, the, Guys like that. We talked about special people in rock and roll. Special people, athletes, guys who hit just with ungodly power. Look at Roberto Duran, where your nickname is Hands of Stone. You know, Sugar Ray Leonard said he could feel his teeth through his uh, mouth guard being pushed back through his gums because Duran hit so hard. Um, it's a it's a really amazing thing. And we watch these guys on TV and we're all armchair quarterbacks and say, oh, that guy's a bum. Those guys are phenomenal athletes who are not only doling out huge punishment, but they're taking tremendous punishment. So I,
1: you you know, boxing has always
2: been my... Go
1: ahead. I'm sorry, but do you remember, because I'll forget, do you remember when it was, we were in the, uh, after the banquet was over, the Rochester Boxing the Hall of Fame banquet was over. We were watching Chris Bird. I believe he was either fighting Freza Kendo or Jamil McCline. And we were watching it with it was me, you, Vinny Paz, uh, <laughs> George George Chavallo. Um, yep, yep. There was a referee. Was it Weeks?
2: Uh, oh, gosh. No. It'll come to me. It, uh, gosh. No, it wasn't Tony Weeks. Was it Tony Weeks? It might have been.
1: It might have been. Tony Weeks. Um, was Emmanuel Stewart with us?
2: He was there, and so was uh, oh, uh, Joe uh, Joe Macy.
1: Joe Macy, but yeah, but I don't think was Joe watching the fight with us
2: for a little bit. You know that? Okay, how fun was that? We're watching yeah. a world title fight
1: <laughs> with these world champions.
2: With yeah. All these world champions who who were not terribly complimentary about what they were watching. No,
1: kid, kid uh, Andy, kid DePaul a Pittsburgh legendary boxer, and they were not happy with that fight at all. Chris Byrd was the champion at the time, and uh, I know Vinny wasn't too pleased with him, Vinny Paz, but um, yeah, that was was crazy. uh, We've
2: talked a lot about the caliber of today's fighters versus the caliber of the fighters from the 70s and 80s, because you and I and so many of your listeners grew up during the, just take the 80s, the golden age of Mike Tyson, the golden age of Hagler, Duran, Hearns, Leonard, when all these top great fighters existed, they all were great personalities that
1: brought... They really were, yeah.
2: Yeah, they really were. They brought the general public to the sport. But most importantly, they fought each other. They didn't shy away from They didn't run and hide behind a, a bogus belt. They all put everything on the line because they all wanted to be the undisputed champion. And that's really what's lost in boxing today. That's really what I think, you know, I think when television started saying to these matchmakers, hey, if you give us a belt and we can call it a world championship, we get even more viewers. So you started seeing all these new sanctioning bodies with new quote-unquote belts And it really diluted the sport. And then you have fighters who hid behind these belts because they wanted to keep their belt and not possibly lose it to a a better fighter. Um, But, boy, those those guys we grew up watching, I think they would just run through so many of the fighters we see today. I really do.
1: You know, we talk about it a lot on the show. And it's not just boxing. It's just there's no... Like when Joe Namath retired, there was still guys like Marino and Montana. There was those, and Montana wasn't a big talker, but he had an it factor. I guess maybe now you can say Tom Brady, uh, but there's a lot of athletes that I grew up watching in baseball, basketball, football, the Birds, the Magics, the Maraviches, the Jabars, Bob Lanier. I can go on and on. Daryl Dawkins, Dr. J. Um, they they all had personality and. And you, you just couldn't—Reggie Jackson, you Clemente, you couldn't take your eyes off these guys. Now, uh, or in boxing, you know, we, were, we came up, like you said, you mentioned Leonard Hearns, Hagler, Duran, and Ali and Frazier, Norton Foreman, Cooney Holmes, Vinny, Duran—I think I said Duran, already. Right? Uh, I mean, those guys were just a different mindset, uh, different breed, but we were so lucky— so lucky to, to, to be able to watch them, and I don't know if fans today, hey, I'll put it you this way too, like my parents, my dad was born in 28, my mom was born in 39, but you know what, they still like some of the Beatles songs, they still like the Commodores, they like Barry Manlow, they like Cool and the Gang, my mom liked the Daz Band, if people remember oh, that band. from 1982, yeah, but... A, a, a good song is a good song. A good group is a good group. So I don't think it's a, an age thing, uh, a generation gap. It's if you see somebody who is a colorful guy who's, uh, you know, just a colorful personality who can, who can perform, you like them. And I'm not saying they're they're not out there, Eric. I just don't think there are as many. Do you agree you know, with that?
2: and I agree with you completely. I also think that times have changed. You know, when the whole world, when the whole country is watching three TV channels, right? and you you don't have the Internet, and you don't have um, so many of the things, the entertainment distractions, you had greater focus. Um, you know, those sports, e- even look at sports in America. You know, you look at, uh, uh, you know, everyone, we all grew up aspiring to be these people, and you know now you have a you have you know generations who don't play sports and are stuck behind a TV playing or right. a computer doing a video game, um, and the sports were diluted. But you know, talking about all those wonderful names you rattled off, we remember those names because the world knew them, and they were all characters. Look at tennis, tennis like boxing when the when the the Bjornborg and and McEnroe, the, uh, John Conner. McEnroe. And Jimmy Connor Billy Stasi, yeah. and the when those guys disappeared we had the Agassi and we had the Boris Beckers but when those guys faded is there tremendous talent out there of course there is but when the personalities left the yeah. public lost interest so yeah, no you know i think there's that's a big part of it and and i'm sh- i'm hopeful all that stuff will come back and we'll have I don't think it will. of special yeah.
1: people, but I don't um, think it will. We really, you we were really you, lucky to see a lot you told of told a story about uh, calling your friend up to go play tennis. The first thing that hit me was 1976. Uh, we used to get W-O-R-T-V and my mom said, come here, come here. I turn it on. I look and there's this guy, number 16, with you know long hair, uh, playing for the New York Mets, Lee Mazzilli, and he made a basket catch. I remember calling my friend. Uh, I, I said, "I said, hey, let's go play. Get a, get a. Ba- I got a baseball. Let's go play junior high and practice something." Not seeing Clemente do it, but when I saw Mazzilli do it live in a game, that's what maybe start making basket catches. You know, and I, I don't know who's going to make. Like we used to imitate the way Dave Parker would bat, the way he would lead from a base.
4: Yeah, we would <laughs> right, imitate. Right. You
1: know? And to this day, you'll never find a picture of me playing baseball without wearing white shoes because of Joe Namath or wristbands because of Joe Namath. They're wearing number 16 because of Mazzilli. And um, I don't know if players, do they have that kind of impact? And it's, or or like you and I, when we were at that boxing uh, uh, event, when George Shavala. we're watching boxing with George Shavala. We're talking to Ernie Shavers. What the hell are we doing here talking to Ernie Shavers? Of course, about four hours later, we get into a wreck. Uh,
2: but, uh, that's okay. <laughs> with the, with, with, so the the side story of that, and, and uh, we definitely had our guardian angels watching over us. For those oh, listeners, yeah. we were coming back from the Rochester Hall of Fame, heading back to Pittsburgh. We had gone out together, and I had stopped you. This was at like ten in the morning, and I love Genesee beer. And at the time, it was very hard to find Genesee ice. And uh, so I had filled, we were, we were in a, uh, a Mercedes station wagon. I had filled the entire back of the station wagon with probably 15 cases of Genesee ice. And we got in an unfortunate accident, which was a freak thing. But all that beer exploded inside <laughs> the car. And we're in the hospital, and the police show up. And the police were like, have you guys been drinking? Because we, we got beer all over us. We hadn't had a drop to drink, and of course right. no one should ever drink and drive, but all that beer that I was trying to bring back to Pittsburgh <laughs> exploded in that accident. But hey, I got I to tell you a real quick story. This is one of my favorite Roberto Duran stories, and I have lots of great ones, but you talk about that basket catch that made you want to run out and, and practice that. So, you know, whatever I accomplished in tennis and boxing was more of my working harder than everybody else versus having having been gifted with some great skill i always had to make up for my lack of great skill by working twice as hard and but i always was gifted with one thing claudio i can watch i still can do this to the day i can watch athletes do things and break them into steps to mimic and practice which is you know i made a division 1 tennis team with no lessons by watching tapes over and over again and getting out and practicing and trying to get the fundamentals down so i am having dinner with roberto duran in upstate new york and he knew i boxed and he, we were talking about it and duran did this one move that i'd never seen anyone do and in his two fights with vinnie pazienza um, with vinnie Paz, he'd done it repeatedly and that is when opponents would throw an overhand right at duran most people on the receiving end of an overhead right, either cover up or they try to slip and move away. Duran would step into it, rotate his upper body, cause his opponent to miss with the overhand right, and use that opponent's forward momentum to then hit with the opponent with an, an uppercut to the belly. And if you watch either of the great uh, Pazienza duran fights, which were just fantastic. A couple times, Vinny threw those overhead rights and Duran stepped into him and and smacked Vinny with an uppercut to the belly. So I was telling Duran that I just couldn't get it down. I couldn't break it down in the steps. So we are in the Turning Stone Casino. We're eating in this restaurant. They have the table cordoned off so the general public couldn't (laughs) approach us. And there are a crowd of people, I'll bet you there were 100 people, just standing outside this rope, which is, you know, 50 feet from the table, just hoping that Duran might come over and do an autograph. And we're just eating, right? So I'm telling Roberto this story, and he says, well, stand up. And so I stand up, and he gets into a boxing stance. (laughs) And remember, we're in the middle of a restaurant in the casino with all these people watching, and he says, hit me, but he goes, easy
1: Jeez. and i'm like i didn't know this story.
2: zone so i do a slow motion overhead right and he steps into me turns his body and pats me and taps me on the stomach and he goes again and he starts showing me how he did this move and giving me a little boxing lesson on how to counter this punch in real time in front of all these fans in the middle of the restaurant of the casino, and here I am in slow motion punching Roberto Duran. As you can imagine, I'm, I'm like, I've got to be dreaming. So when you went out to practice that Lee Mazzelli basket catch, I went back to the 6th Avenue gym. I went back to Jack's Uptown <laughs> um, to practice that, and every time I practiced it, I would get creamed. I never could get it right. Could I would get just it right. get tagged with a big overhead right, and ultimately i just quit it and next time i saw roberto he asked me he said did you practice did you work and i said roberto every time i try that i get tagged and he thought it was hilarious so
1: it didn't work for I you it worked for him
2: it it didn't work for me at all
1: <laughs> uh, well we're going to take our final commercial break before we get into our eric jackson Lurie lightning rounds we're here from our sponsors Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center, Don's Pizzeria and Sports Bar, Criminal Defense Attorney Eric Jackson-Laurie with offices located in downtown Pittsburgh and Fox Chapel. <clears throat> Call Eric at 412-963-9308 and the Quaker Valley Rotary Club. Right back with Eric Jackson-Laurie. Would you like to join a community service oriented group to help provide remarkable services such as the Halloween Parade, Santa Parade, a Memorial Golf Outing, the Annual Harvest Festival, award secondary educational scholarships, and raise several fundraising events? If so, the Quaker Valley Rotary Club is looking for people of action who live a service-above-self type of lifestyle and want to help make the Quaker Valley District even better. Please visit us at www.quakervalleyrotary.org or call Scott Zayner at 412-720-0298. Okay, Eric, we have the Eric – this is the first time I've ever uh, did a a, a, – no, I have, well, obviously there's only one Eric Jackson-Lurie lightning round, so what the hell, obviously it's the first time. But anyway, we're going to have the Eric I'm Jackson-Lurie ready. lightning round. All right, ready? Quick question, quick answer. Most memorable fight for you? Out of court.
2: You know what? You know what? I'm, I'm going to say Leonard Duran three went to the, uh, the uh, God, the Benidum, with a sold-out crowd to watch it on a pay-per-view screen that's about as big as the TV I own now, wow. and uh, it was at a fever pitch with excitement, and it was such a letdown. I, I don't think anything happened to the eleventh round. Right, right. Um, there we go. All right.
1: What rock singer were you that you met that you that you were most in awe of?
2: I will say Alice Cooper because he is such a great guy. And he's such a wonderful guy and such a nice guy. Um, so I will say that my first time getting to meet him and spend some time with him was was really terrific.
1: Favorite restaurant?
2: Hands down, and, and this is nationwide, and I've eaten a lot of restaurants around the country. We have one of the greatest restaurants in America right in our backyard Joseph Tambellini's in Highland Park.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Favorite car? Now you, you have a, you love the old Cadillacs, uh, but uh, what what is your favorite car? Favorite car?
2: Favorite car I have, or favorite car I've ever owned? Both. My favorite car right now, I've got an '84 Eldorado Berentz Edition, um, which I, I really enjoy. Favorite car I've ever owned. Uh, be my Cadillac brome.
1: I remember that car. Yeah. And you know what, before we finish up, we have to talk about your family. Uh, I, I did talk about them a little bit, uh, but I want you to talk about Camille. Who's, who's the best love Camille, beautiful girl (laughs) inside and out. Uh, always, you can't help but feel good after leaving Camille and, uh, we don't have to talk about Duran, but definitely noble (laughs) because Duran wouldn't let me in the damn building. But Noble is a great young man as well. But tell us about Camille, Noble, Duran.
2: Well, you know, like you, I'm blessed with a wonderful family. And like you, uh, I'm blessed with a, uh, a gorgeous wife. So uh, very, very lucky. And, hey, at the end of the day, that's why we work so hard, and that's why we uh, we work to do the things we do. But, Claudio, I have to say, and, and I'm, I'm very serious about this, I've got to take a minute and just talk about your book, Lead from the heart up, because uh, for those of you listening, if you have not read it, it is a enjoyable read. It's a great read, and uh, I actually ordered a number of copies from Amazon. I've got it in my waiting room, and I've gifted it to a number of people. It's a terrific book and a very, very inspirational book. Big, Thanks. big thumbs up from EJL.
1: <laughs> that's, that's So you know what? I, I got to tell you something. Last week. Uh, the, our, our publishing company, a uh, great, great guy, David Andron. There was a lady who, I guess she does some things with Amazon and marketing. She said that she didn't like the cut. Well, she said that it's not it would sell better if I wasn't on the cover. I said, what the hell kind of a comment? I think it's a hell of a cover. And I'm very hard on pictures and everything. I, I thought that was a hell of a cover on that book. I said, no, I think it's selling because of the cover, if you want to know the truth. But I, I appreciate I appreciate the, uh, the, the the kind words, Eric. And
2: you know yeah, what? you really did a terrific job with that book. The, well, thank the, you. Uh, uh, a lot of people should read that book.
1: I appreciate it. And, and if not, just for the cover. Get the book just for the cover. I'm on the cover. But uh, and one of my uh, coaching poses, which, again, I think was a hell of a cover, to be honest with you. She, she must need glasses or I don't know what her problem was. But uh, she's got the problem, not me. But anyway, <clears throat> Eric, you know what? I, again, I, I talk about you all the time, uh, talk about your family all the time. We always have fun together. <clears throat> You're a great guy. You've been such a plus in my life. I, I told you I, I wish one of my big regrets in life is that my parents – uh, didn't get to meet you and your family. and I, I told you my dad would have taken your kids uh, for sure. but um, and Camille probably left you, but he'd have taken your your family away from you because he would have loved them, and my mom would have too. And I, I can't thank you enough for for being in my life. I, I mean that with all my heart. you' you're you're truly the best.
2: Well, God bless you, brother, and uh, the feeling is very mutual. And I have to tell you great honor to be on your show tonight. And uh, thank you so much. And as always, I'll be listening to every episode.
1: All right, brother. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Well, everybody, that's the uh, end of the show. Again, I have a major announcement coming up pretty soon. I can't say it just yet, but uh, any week now we're going to come up with a big announcement. Uh, Also, we have next week. It's it's looking like we're going to have 1986 member, member of the 1986 world champion, New York Mets, Ed Hearn. Great story. You're going to want to listen to that interview. Uh, Dave Parker, it looks like he's going to be on sometime in September. Him and David Jordan, the author of his book, The Cobra. Uh, looking forward to that. As always, want to thank Rick Mitchell for the introductions. And Adam Luth, my fantastic producer. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. And uh, as always, thank you, Mom and Pop. Talk to you guys soon.
0: Thank you for listening to The Claudio Rosano Show, brought to you by Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center. Be sure to tune in next time on Claudio dot com.
1: Would you like to join a community service-oriented group to help provide remarkable services such as the Halloween parade, Santa parade, a memorial golf outing, the annual Harvest Festival, award secondary educational scholarships, and raise several fundraising events? If so, the Quaker Valley Rotary Club is looking for people of action who live a service above self type of lifestyle and want to help make the Quaker Valley District even better. Please visit us at www.quakervalleyrotary.org or call Scott Zayner at 412-720-0298.